You're listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. I'm Robin, and I'm here with a special interview with Aaron Craven, who plays CDC Dr. Saxon. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Robin. Uh, so, uh, how did you get involved with iZombie? I had auditioned for the show in previous seasons and um, not hooked into a role. And um, I read for uh, this role this season. He's... Um, kind of a stuffed shirt, slightly condescending. Uh, he's sort of in my wheelhouse of characters that I usually <laughs> play. So it was, uh, they finally found a good fit, uh, fit for me and uh, cast me. You know, I, it just came to me as kind of a surreal moment just now where I realized um, in the first episode that I see you on in iZombie, it's uh, probably like three quarters of it is uh, like a Skype call. <laughs> and yeah, now I'm talking to you on video Skype. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And um, in a future episode, I'm also on Skype. There's a lot of me on Skype. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those are interesting to film because they kind of set you up with like an eye line, and then you sort of try to imagine in your mind's eye, well, what is a Skype call? You kind of look at the other person once in a while, and you sort of look at your own image. And I think we're still kind of finding what the, the parameters of etiquette are on a Skype. Yeah, that's true. Like, Everybody you know? seems to be kind of like looking yeah. down because they're not looking at the camera. They're looking yeah. at the other person's uh, video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit more exposing than a phone call used to be because, um, you know, like if the other person is like checking their text or something and sort of disengaging <laughs> in the conversation, you can see it. Yes. Yeah. You see the other person kind of sitting back. Go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Their eyes just don't glaze over. They just sort of uh, fall out of the frame slowly. <laughs> uh, so ha had you ever checked out iZombie before? Yeah, I've had um, friends that have been on the show prior. And um, I have always liked the tongue-in-cheek um, nature of the show. It's a really um, – you know, obviously there's a million zombie projects out there. But I think iZombie – was uh, kind of a special one. It really, it really played a plays. I should say it's not over yet, but it really captures like a great sense of humor and the plot lines are really funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but the writing is really good. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it was a great show to work on. Yeah, there's a bit of a political commentary, but also yeah, like yeah, like my I don't know. I think it was in the first episode, but my character is called Doctor Saxon, and I think I refer to my other doctors as White and Man. So there's a bit of a there's a bit, <laughs> That's of, funny. bit of a comment on the on the ruling class there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Doctor Saxon is introduced as a man who tasks Doctor Collier, played by Quinta Brunson, to work with uh, Ravi. Um, can you what can you tell us about uh, what Doctor Saxon and the CDC's uh, role on the show? You know, without spoiling anything. So um, Quinta's <laughs> character, Dr. Collier, is researching a cure for zombie syndrome, and it's revealed in the first episode that um, that she thinks she's found this cure in the brains of children with Freilich syndrome. Um, Dr. Saxon's her boss at the CDC, and uh, Ravi is, you know, ethically concerned because he thinks, well, if it's if it's gets out that, you know, these children have the cure in their brains, they'll be harvested and trafficked and, you know, there's going to be all kinds of terrible stuff. So she's she's kind of caught between Saxon, who 
wants to go ahead and find the cure without um, concern for ethics. Um, and, um, and, and Ravi, who's obviously concerned about, you know, um, these children with Freilich syndrome. So it's a moral quandary. So, so we're, we're, we're not to tr- trust Dr. Saxon with the uh, moral I'm stuff. I'm not going to say either way how unethical <laughs> he is. Uh, uh, my lips are sealed on, uh, <laughs> I'll come later, but, uh, let's just say his, his intentions are a little ambiguous. Um, do you know what Dr. Saxon's first name is? Have you made up one in your head? <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, Ernest. Ernest. <laughs> You're not going to go with the uh, the double, like a Steve Saxon or Sam Saxon. Stan no, Saxon. I, I'm going to try to follow the eye zombie writers and, and uh, come up with like an opposite to what the guy actually is. So or let's say Ernest. Ernest, Ernest Saxon. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in Thug Death, your character is in this like, like white white, white, white facility in Washington, D.C. Was this like a set at North Shore Studios or was this a location you guys had to shoot at? It's a location that was built uh, and it stayed throughout the season. It was built um, out in the suburbs of Vancouver. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, when I first walked into it, I thought the same thing. I thought, this is like... um, I was trying to remember where I'd sort of seen that imagery before, maybe an alien. Um, there was like a, you know, or like every sort of like futuristic lab that we've ever seen in movies. It's a bit of a trope that it's like just white everywhere. So sterile. Yeah. 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 And of course, Light Zombies, you know, it's a stylistically interesting show. So the set deck is uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. It was interesting to like all of a sudden like, whoa, we've never gone to Washington, D.C. Uh, before. Yeah. And uh, at, a, at a totally new facility. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I, I wonder if any more of the show will be set outside of New Seattle or if we're going to stay in there till the end. Obviously, you can't answer that, but it just makes me think. <laughs> the CDC actually is, is it not located? I'm, I'm kind of going back into my like character notes, but is it located in Atlanta or am I? Oh, I thought it was Washington. Uh, I could, I probably need to go back in my notes myself. Like, <laughs> you could go to Dr. Google. <laughs> The CDC. Oh, that's true. Oh, actually, you know, in The Walking Dead, uh, it was a big plot line of them being getting to Atlanta where the CDC was. So perhaps there's a whole s- subtitle that uh, I probably uh, should have paid more attention to, apparently. I thought it said Washington, D.C. Center for Disease Control is in, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, man, I knew I'd do my research as an actor. <laughs> well, I got schooled, guys. I'm going to hang up the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> Trust the actors. They got the inside scoop. <laughs> uh, so uh, you have a scene with Dr. Collier as well as a couple of uh, Skype calls. Uh, did yep. you film these Skype calls with Raul Coley or did you just kind of uh, have somebody reading the lines um, off camera? One of them uh, is filmed with Raul and I work with Raul later in the season. And then um, there's a Skype call later in the season, which um, they shot very quickly uh, in a very um, – Pressed day, and so they just had a script supervisor kind of reading me my lines off screen. But it's amazing how they edit it together and make it look like yeah, it seems like real time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially with the way Ravi is acting in this episode, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to to have to react to that, um, you know. Uh, so, so did you have Raul actually acting that, or did you hear? Oh yeah, okay. Raul gives as much energy off screen as he does on screen. He's a consummate actor. Like he's there every single take. That's energy cool. never flags. Yeah. He's a really, really cool actor to work with. So, uh, according to IMDB, which is, you know, where all the, the most correct information is, yeah. uh, yeah. Dr. Saxon will be back about midway through the season with episode 10 filleted to rest. 
as well as the penultimate episode of the series by zombies. Um, obviously, you don't have to confirm that or not. That's just what IMDb is telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, according to this, you're in the beginning, the middle, and toward the end. Can you kind of tease what Saxon and the CDC are up to in these episodes? Or Well, um, I think he's <laughs> talked about a little bit more than uh, he appears, um, you know, in the earlier part of the season. So, all I can really say is that, you know, I sort of uh, outlined what that moral dilemma is about um, finding a cure. I mean, it's an interesting real life moral kind of uh, metaphor that, you know, does the end, do the means justify the end? So is, you know, should they pursue and make public this idea that kids with Freilich syndrome have proteins in their brain that can cure zombie syndrome? That, that could be applied to like a you know, um, anything where there's like an ethical battle over what's moral in terms of scientific research, like stem cell research, for example. Um, And um, uh, yeah, I don't know how much more I can say other than uh, (laughs) piss off Rob and all the writers. uh, (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, no problem. Let's just say that Saxon's not, um, you know, uh, the most ethical guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. It seems that, uh, you know, the beginning of the beautiful friendship is with Dr. Collier and, you know, you got to maybe be a little sensitive of what Saxon hears and doesn't hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you were reoccurring during the season. I just, mm. how was the mood of the cast and the crew during filming? I mean, this is the final season of the show. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I went to the rap party when it was all over and oh, yeah. um, I can tell you that it was very emotional. Um, it's funny being like a guest player that comes in for part of the show um, or comes in at the end. Once the cast is like a, kind of like a family, you sort of feel like you're a bit late to the party. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, the mood as I shot later episodes and then of course when it all wrapped up was extremely emotional. I think those people, you know, any crew becomes and cast and crew become a family, especially after five seasons. And uh, I, I got the sense on set that everybody really, you know, you can kind of tell when you're a guest player coming in, um, to sort of like start a part on a TV show, what the mood is like. And if there's any tension, you can almost feel it the moment you're on set. And, um, yeah, Dan and Rob and all the producers, they just, they just set this tone. It's just great. They have, I don't know if you've covered it in another podcast, but one of the things they always did on set, which was really interesting was every time they were done with a shot, there was um, a focus puller, one of the crew, and he had a, a drum cymbal. And so whenever they were done filming a shot, they'd say, I'm moving on. And you hear this, <laughs> this clash of cymbals. Wow. Like that, that exited that particular shot. Um, <laughs> there's a little piece of information from the set. And just yeah. little touches like that. They just help the days move along. Everybody's just got a little bit more jump in their step. Um, Rose and Raul and all the actors that I worked with are just, just kind of selfless and um, you know, there's no drama. Everybody really seemed to love each other. And so, yeah, when it all wrapped up, it was, uh, I could tell that, you know, as much as I was only coming into the picture late, it was, um, yeah, they were kind of saying goodbye to something pretty special. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, we jumped out, we've been on this ride the entire time and it is sad to kind of, uh, kind of wrap this yeah. up this year, you know? <laughs> mm. Um, all right. I don't know. If but I mean, you know, there's a, when it's, sh- I mean, I feel like the show's probably ending kind of, you know, after five seasons. I mean, trying to get a full 
20, uh, 22 episodes out for five seasons. That's, that's a lot. And you sometimes with shows, you end up with shows that stick around too long and do the old jumping the shark thing where, yeah, you know, they start to gimmick their way into, you know, keeping the audience's attention. And I think iZombie is like finishing maybe at the right time when the show still, you know, has its legs. Yeah. What's so nice about it is that, you know, they know the end is coming so they can write yeah. towards that. So, yeah, yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's really unsatisfying when a show, you know, has a cliffhanger and then the network decides <laughs> not to renew it and all the fame. I've been in a couple, actually, that's probably half my career is being in shows that get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have, uh, I have some questions about a few of those, but I didn't know if you had any more, uh, iZombie related, uh, stories or, you know, information you want, <laughs> you wanted to share before we moved on to that. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> In, uh, Tell yeah, us there's, everything. There's, there's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's tough because when you're part of a plot line that kind of goes to an area that's sort of no spoilers, it's kind of hard to uh, allude to it too much. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. No yeah. problem. <laughs> I had to ask. Uh, all right. Yeah, of course. So uh, you've been a part of several other productions that I'd love to hear about. I was looking through your IMDb and going, oh, my God, I love that show. Oh, my God, I love that show. So uh, – mm-hmm. Can you just indulge me in a little rapid fire rundown through a few of these cherry, cherries I picked out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of a canceled show, uh, True Calling. Um, yeah. I've had oh, wow. a long time crush on Eliza Dushku, and apparently you played yeah. a character named Hat in their fourth episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that all about? Uh, yeah, I think that show only went one year. Um, she was, I think, uh, as I remember, she's a psychic who solves crimes. It, it's so, actually, iZombie, uh, kind of reminded me of True Calling because she would, like, uh, somehow, like, read a dead body and then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. It, right. God, that was like 12 years ago. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, our episode was sort of an homage to that movie. I think it was called Very Bad Things, where the bachelor party goes wrong and they end up killing somebody. Uh-huh. That was our episode. And so the reason that all the characters are called Hat and um, Suit, or, and they all have these names that um, are like items of clothing or like a particular thing about them, is because she is seeing all these guys but doesn't know their names. But she's uh-huh. she's kind of reporting all the suspects based, based on a characteristic. So my guy always had a baseball hat on. And um, that's why my character was named Hat. It's been a while since I've watched that show. So I was like, what were you in that? Um, yeah. So uh, the next one I picked out was uh, <laughs> Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. This is a show I discovered. Oh, on wow, you really, I was expecting others. You're, you're really <laughs> digging into the vault. <laughs> I, I discovered this show on Amazon like last year. And I was like, where was wow. I when this was on? Because you have Jonathan Frakes just doing yeah. a perfect Robert Honestly. Stack but yep. the clever conceit is that they'd shoot these, you know, stories and mm-hmm. then it goes to him and you're like, okay, do you believe if this is fact or fiction? Um, yep. So you did, you were a patrolman in this segment, yep. Uh, yep. Mystery of Douglas Hibbard. Gosh, very early in my career. <laughs> I got to be honest. Um, I think it was just one of those like showing up at the scene of the crime, trying to figure out what, what was going on. I was a really young actor. That might've been maybe my third or fourth gig. Yeah. I think I was about 25, 26 um, uh, I just remember thinking it was really cool that Jonathan Frakes was narrating it. Yeah. What, yeah. Do you remember if it was fact or fiction? <laughs> I, you know, I don't. <laughs> oh boy. I guess folks at home will have to figure that one out. <laughs> just like you were yeah. watching the show. I'll have to, yeah. I'll have to go Where back to watch it. Where did you find it? Is it on, it's uh, on Amazon. 
It's on Amazon, Amazon really. Prime, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I, I think it must it must have ran in syndication. I never heard of it, and then somebody pointed it my way, and I was like, "Ooh, this is such a it's, fun show." It's funny as an actor because once in a while you get royalties checks, and sometimes you know you sort of open up an envelope and you, "What is the? Where is this <laughs> thing still playing? Are they airing? Has has some um, area in the Eastern Bloc Europe just gotten around to watching this? <laughs> yeah. Why am I getting a check nine years after this show came out? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have to fire up that episode so you all of a sudden hear like a cha-ching from your PayPal or something like that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that'll be the future. We're all just going to be microchipped and all our money made is just going to go in through our temple. Do you do you get like is is it is it different with streaming with royalty checks? Is it? Yes. Yeah. It's actually a real point of controversy in the in- industry right now because it was called new media originally. Uh, was, anything online was under this platform of new media back when it started, what, maybe what, 10, 12 years now yeah, we've been yeah. kind of doing. And so um, there was no real precedent in place for um, actors and writers um, and directors um, to – um, for the, for there to be a way of determining the money that's made in traditional TV markets, it airs on a network. It's so many units and you know, uh, it's, it's very clear how, uh, it's, um, remunerated, but with streaming for a while, uh, the, the, it was sort of this kind of broad thing where it's like, well, we don't really know how many viewers we have and we don't, we haven't really been able to calculate ad revenue and so forth and so forth. And, and it's become really clear how much revenue really is at play. Netflix yeah. has all the numbers. And so we're a little bit behind in kind of coming up with an agreement for how actors and directors and creatives should be compensated when something is streaming. And I think at some point it's my feeling like the actors or the writers or maybe all, all, all artists will strike at some point to try to gain some leverage and, and, and catch up as it were to, um, you know, being paid properly for a, a, a platform that's been around for a long time and has been figured out financially. So when it, when it syndicates, like the, is, is the royalties based on like a Nielsen rating or, or something like that or um, far <laughs> smarter people than me know that stuff. <laughs> I just know from union meetings and doing a bit of research that, um, and from paychecks that, you know, um, that streaming, uh, we're not totally, yeah, compensation hasn't quite caught up. I don't want to throw myself under the bus too much in case, you know, producers and people are listening to the podcast, but, but, uh, yeah, at at some point I think, um, you know, the pie has got to be divided a little bit more, um, fairly. I think like. Obviously, you can't tell how many people are watching a show when it's just aired on like a broadcast television. But I'm sure like Netflix and Amazon Prime can tell what's been clicked on. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? 100%. I mean, a it's, all, more it's all there. They know how many times they pro- – I mean if something is on your TV and they have the algorithm to resume viewing after a week when you yeah. come back to it, that just means that they know that's a click. It's been viewed – 27% of it has been viewed. Oh, 100% of it's been viewed. And I think, uh, you know, they know how much their subscriptions are. And with platforms like networks that have streaming platforms like CBS, uh, when they have like three ads at the top of the show and then run it, um, I think they know what the revenue is. So, <laughs> yeah. no, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it all shakes down. But I, I feel like there might be labor strife in the in the near future at, from the rumblings I hear. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Okay, I better get off this before we bore my listeners. <laughs> um, 
Okay, one of my favorite shows is Smallville, and you were on there twice. Yeah. Um, so you were in the episode Power. Uh, this is the episode where Lana Lang gets her power suit, and I think you must have been like a your researcher number one. So I think you were in the room when the experiments were happening yeah. or something. Yep. Yeah, I seem to remember getting uh, karate kicked in the face or something. My character goes down hard. Um, uh, so yeah, in the in the one episode, I played a researcher who somehow gets um, um, some sort of martial arts. Uh, Gets the crap kicked out of him, and then in a previous episode, I was a hazmat scientist in some yeah. South American country, and um, the James Marsters character um, drives, uh, you know, like a, a what do you call it when the spike comes out of the finger or whatever, like the, term, the Terminator style, right. uh, drives it right through my head. I actually so, watched that scene last night. I was like, hey, yeah, yeah, oh, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, Coming to a and that's another one of my specialties. I'm the guy who always gets um, killed in some extremely violent way. <laughs> oh man, uh, I uh, c- jump ahead. I didn't re- realize, but I just saw you in the Predator getting uh, taken over yeah. by the Predator. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they make another, that plot line will continue. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a fun shoot. Um, they did uh, three reshoots. They reshot the ending in three different ways. So they went with that one, and there was an, another alternate ending where it was kind of like an homage to Ripley and Alien. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see the reshoots of the others, but, uh, yeah, we shot that um, on a weekend up in Vancouver. And, um, yeah, Shane Black directed that, the Predator, and he's a really interesting guy. He's, he's one of those hyper-intelligent creatives who's almost, almost intimidating in his um, – yeah, you can just see how much is processing behind his eyes. He's a oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I yeah. listened to some interviews with him, and uh, yeah, he is—he'd be a great person to sit down and talk with for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's really entertaining and kind of off the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, I, w- were there any? Uh, I jumped ahead to Predator, but I, Smallville is my favorite. One, one of my favorite shows. Is there anything you remember about like filming? You know, with people or anything like that, or. Yeah, I remember. I mean, the spike through the head scene I remember was so specific that uh, they and my mask kept fogging up. So they had to get me to like run up and hit this mark really precisely for this shot they were doing. And, and I just remember doing it over and over and over again and 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 like them not quite getting the camera angle right. And then me not getting on the mark right because I got all this gear on. And it was uh, yeah, it was pretty laborious to get the special effect. I do remember that I was sweating. I was sweating heavily in this um, hazmat suit that I was wearing as well. Yeah, folks, this is uh, the episode hypnotic. I, I yeah, I popped that on last night. And I was like, oh, this scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, poor Aaron's going to get murdered here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, just keep watching my stuff. You'll see lots of me getting killed or maimed. Or... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I also watched the opening scene for uh, Fringe: Momentum Deferred, where uh, yeah. your character—I think you get shot a few times. But yeah, I think you're some sort of shapeshifter, or yep, yeah, a shapeshifter that uh, won't go down easily. So I think um, they're called squibs uh, when they. Um, uh, have the wounds that blow off you when you get shot and uh that was the most squibs i've had put on my body in my entire career yeah you did get shot a few times oh yeah and it was a really choreographed kind of dance because it had to be that sort of like again the terminator style like you get hit and then you come back and then you get hit and then you go down and then you come back up and you get hit um yeah a dance would be a good way to put it we spent a lot of time choreographing that one 
Yeah, you uh, yeah. you had the other person in the scene was uh, Roger Cross, who is also a nice yep. zombie. In, I've, in 24 I've worked with Roger times. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't look these up, but you were in a couple episodes of Supernatural. There's probably some Supernatural yep. fans are uh, listening. These 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 roles were like six years apart. So, um, yeah. can you talk about any of those? Yeah, the first episode was um, it was the episode where this faith healer is kind of um, like an evil guy, and uh, I played an atheist who's protesting. Um, this dude is like, you know, in a small town and he's doing these faith healing rituals to the townspeople. And so he sicks the grim reaper on me. Um, yeah. Another bad ending, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, another instance of like being down on the ground in the mud and, and having some special effect, having my face turned green and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I was pretty young when I did that. And then the show was stuck around for so many years yeah. that, um, you know, there's only so many actors that can do the job. <laughs> so they, uh, the second one was the episode, uh, I can't remember what season it was, but, um, um, a nickel possesses this ancient Indian nickel possesses everybody who touches it. And so I played a, uh, sheriff uh, in this town. And when I get a hold of the nickel, I, um, my nemesis is, um, I play, I play a deputy, and my nemesis is the sheriff, and so I, I get possessed by this nickel, and I blow him away. Oh. <laughs> so I get to kill somebody for once. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And every time someone's possessed, I remember there's this ooze that kind of starts coming out of their ear as well. It's a pretty cool special effect that they had. Um, yeah, that show just um, announced uh, that it's wrapping too. So I, I, after 13, I, 14 years. I think they're going to have to shut down the CW after this. Maybe shut down like, the entire town of Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll have replacements, but um, yeah, that Supernatural like almost mirrored the Vancouver film industry in terms of coming of age. Because I mean, I feel like Supernatural has been around almost as long as I've been in the business. Yeah, yeah, I actually uh, visited Vancouver. I, I, I'm from Vermont, and uh, oh yeah, I'm Vermont. What's that? I love Vermont. I went to a wedding in Vermont. Once. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where whereabouts? I can't remember. It was a chalet somewhere in, in rural Vermont. Um, and I just remember the one thing I remember about Vermont is we drove up from New York and we stopped at this diner and I ordered some ribs and I've never seen a bigger plate of food in my life. <laughs> people in Vermont, the hunters, do they eat more? What? My God, this like, it was enough to feed five people. Well, we have to keep warm up here. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to layer the yeah. fat on. <laughs> right. And isn't Vermont known for cheese as well? Isn't that, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, cows, Ben and Jerry's, right. that kind of thing. But uh, I think Wisconsin has us beat for cheese. <laughs> Maybe the oh, the, the Cabot the Cabot uh, industry. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was up in uh, uh, Vancouver, and uh, yeah, what an what a what an amazing time! I actually even uh, you know I got to visit the Eye Zombie set. And yep. uh, I even I, I was like, I'm here. I have to watch a, a supernatural filming. So I, I, I stopped by outside a parking garage and watched some action happen. So that's great. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Did you come up specifically to do the podcast? Uh, I mean, I was thinking this is iZombies last year and I got an, I got an invite. So I, yeah, right. I came right out and I had a, I have a friend in Vancouver. So it was a uh, pretty easy. I just had to get there. <laughs> but, yeah. It's a good town for science fiction. Cause, uh, it rains a lot. That's why David Duchovny um, wanted to move the X-Files in its final season or why he claimed he wanted to move it back to California because of the rain. But it does create, when you have that much kind of gray 
and that sort of gloomy atmosphere on film, it creates that kind of uh, foreboding, you know. I mean, they can do a lot in post with like taking film and, you know, taking out the color and whatnot. But there's just a look that Vancouver has that's really good for science fiction. It, it looks with the rainy backdrop and the, and the mountains and everything. It kind of look, it can set it can be things can be set in the future really easily for mm-hmm. some reason. It, it just works. Yeah, for sure. I'm a huge X-Files fan. I had to, I, I had to stop by the, uh, I think it's like the lower Seymour conservation preserve. Or That's something. where I grew up. I grew up two minutes from there. Yeah. Nice. Oh God. Those, yeah, those I'm, trees. I was just wandering around mm-hmm. in those woods. It's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And I, I work in LA as well. I go back and forth between the two cities and, and they're so different. Like in California, you can get, you know, you can get uh, the urban look of L.A. or you can go over the hills and you can get all the Western look. Um, they used to shoot a lot of um, Star Trek back in the day uh, out in like Malibu and Point Doom on the beach. Or you can go over the hill the other way and it's where all the Westerns were shot, like two hours east of L.A. You can get that like cactus and sand kind of dry California look, but you can't get you can't double Alaska, right. you know. Whereas when you come up to Vancouver, you can get, you can double Seattle, you can play the mountains to be like, you know, the Arctic, you can do Alaska, you can just do that sort of Alpine look that you, you just, you can't do in Southern California. <laughs> did so. you, did you watch the, 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 the premiere episode for iZombie? Did you watch it all the way through or? I have to admit I missed it. I, I knew it was coming up and um, I think I might have been working and I, I missed it, but I caught it afterwards. There's yeah, a, I get all these people tweet to you, um, sometimes mean things like, hey, your, your character, really? I'd like to punch Yeah, yeah, sometimes once in a while you get like, I'd like to punch your character in the face, which I take as a compliment because it means you suitably, you know, annoyed or antagonized. As long as you specify character. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, well, you know. We all know that there's some funny people on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the uh, the final uh, scene of that episode uh, very much looked like an X Files episode. Had uh, yeah. Clive and Liv walking through the dark woods with yeah. flashlights. Yeah, where you were, where you visited up in the um, demonstration forest in the Seymour area, they shot so much X Files up there. Like yeah. they were up there. All- Time. Oh, I, I had to visit a. Uh, I had a couple of spots. I I did my internet research and made sure. Oh, you did. Some okay. photos. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. This is where one breath was shot. This was Dwayne Barry right here. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how did you feel about the X Files reboot? Did you see it? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, I mean, I I stood by it as a as a fan, um, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely prefer like you know yeah. the Vancouver's uh, part of the series, you know, and the earlier first few seasons for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll watch whatever, whatever. What, if they put any of it out, any more of it out, I'll still watch it. I don't care. I love those. Yeah. I love those characters. <laughs> yeah, such a good show. Um, you know, uh, a movie I just watched recently was Big Eyes, and I was, I was like, oh gosh, mm. you were in that movie too. You were like uh, yeah. in, in an art scene. Um, yeah, so Big Eyes was a Tim Burton film based on um, the painters, uh, those famous painters in San Francisco who created the Big Eyes paintings. Yeah. Um, I forget their last names, but um, so the children with their really dark, uh, oversized eyes. And um, Tim actually had to put the real paintings on set, like the actual authentic paintings. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so at a, at a pivotal point in the movie, um, he, uh, in real life, the, the, the dude played by Christoph 
Walt, he he took credit for the paintings and kind of treated her like as a subservient. And so at the big gallery opening, when she should be, you know, when she's really the artist behind them, he takes all the glory and she kind of gets turned into a, almost like a glorified cocktail waitress. And so um, I play this a drunk party guest who's sort of like, you know, is kind of dismissive of her. He, he, he's interested in her husband, but is like putting drinks on her tray and kind of like talking down to her. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, Tim Burton's he's a genius. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised that movie wasn't, you know, bigger. Um, but I guess, you know, paintings versus, you know. Yeah, I think when people, <laughs> yeah, I think it was just what his foray into doing like kind of a straighter type film. Um, I think when people think Tim Burton, they're going to think claymation yeah. or Batman or just you know that style of his. It's kind of like um, animated and funky and Beetlejuice and all all that stuff is kind of what he's known for. This was kind of like you know a more straightforward picture, um, but it's a really good movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you got to give credit to him for, you know, trying to break out of the, this is a Tim Burton movie rather than he's just doing yeah. a movie. That's, you know, a good story. It's the funny thing about, um, directors and actors when they get really known for either a style or a movie. I know Christopher Reeve could never really break out of Superman. <laughs> you know, you just, you get in that mold and it's kind of what they box you into. And, um, it's unfortunate because a lot of times, you know, actors, they've got this range. They can do other things. Directors do other things. But, you know, the fans get, you know, reasonably they, they want a certain type of thing from them. And sometimes when you try to go outside that expectation, it's not met with, um, you know, a great reception often. You've had, you've had so many different uh, jobs on your IMDb. Um, is there anything that you were like, no, that's not for me? <laughs> Like in gigs I've done. Um, Was there anything you had to turn down or? Yeah, I've turned a few things down uh, in my career, but you know, uh, um, it's funny, like most things ultimately you're doing, um, you know, for a, for a paycheck. And then I'd say like one out of every three jobs, there's like, you, you know, you really love the show and the content. And I think any actor, if they were really honest would say, yeah, the majority of what I do is okay. And, you know, I get paid and I make a good living, but, um, it's the projects where, which like, you know, you're dying to be on set. Mm-hmm. Um, like fringe was such a, you know, that was such a fun show to work on. It's JJ Abrams. It's, you know, it's got tons of money behind it. The look is really cool and original. Like when you're working on something like that, you're, you know, you're just a little bit more elevated, um, you know, and then there's other stuff you work on and, you know, you, you don't, you don't ever phone it in. If you're a professional, you always do your job. Um, yeah. Like some of the ones you've mentioned, supernatural is another one. It's just, you know, like good, lots of money in the, in the design of the show. The show looks good. It's well-written. Um, and um, those are the kind of jobs that you sort of, if, you, if, if, if your life flashed before your eyes and you had, you know, your gigs flashed before your eyes, there'd be, you know, like five of them that you'd, you'd come to mind. So, uh, Is there yeah. anything uh, that you've done in the past that you're like, this is my, this is my thing. I want to keep doing this thing. Um, I like to improvise as an actor. I really like it when you can go off script. Um, and, uh, I, I was on a season of the L word. Um, and, um, the first time I showed up on set and we started rehearsing a scene, I realized these actors are going way off the script. This is, um, 
wow, okay, well, I better ditch some of the stuff that I have memorized and I'll do some of that and I'll also riff and improv. And I, I love it when you can play fast and loose with the script and, and improvise. So um, uh, that was another show that got canceled <laughs> in the season that I was on. Are they bringing that back? I heard that they were rebooting. They're rebooting, rebooting everything. Rebooting, rebooting uh, uh, um, MacGyver and God, what else? I feel like every time I turn around, it's like another show from the '80s that's back. Yeah, you look through the uh, the cable guide. You're like, Magnum PI is still on. How is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you probably catch more of these than I do. What do you think of all these um, reinventions of old material? I mean, do you think they work more often than not? Uh, no. I, the problem yeah. is, you're just constantly comparing it. To the original, yeah, and it's course. just like just yeah. just make some new product. I don't, I don't know. I mean, gosh, you, you think to yourself that eventually there's going to be like a you know Lord of the Rings reboot or a Harry like or Star Wars reboot, you know? And you're like, right. why would you, why would you ever do that? You just constantly fall prey to being compared to yeah, you know, the previous work. Yeah, well, the reason they do it is there's something in Hollywood called pre-awareness. Um, it's actually a, a financial – I don't know if you've heard it, but um, it's why Marvel and DC Comics and everything, they kind of keep going back to it because people already know the franchises. They know the characters, and so they don't have to market something from the ground up. They can just – and so I think the thought with things like, oh, we're going to bring MacGyver back. We're going to bring things like that back is like, all right – well, we're going to get the, the guys who are in the 50s that remember it from the 80s, and they'll tune in for a while, but then we'll get a new audience as well. And it's all kind of money-driven, yeah, uh, ultimately, true. Is, is why they do it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, uh, I'm for new content and new ideas. You know, it's like you get these new shows that come along like uh, Ozark and, you know, um, Game of Thrones is like an original, you know, and it's just like it's – it's like sometimes it's almost like with Hollywood, you feel like has the vault run dry? Are there no new ideas out there? And then something comes along and you go, oh, no, of course not. It's just they're being a little lazy or they're just going for the money sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, do you ever read some, something called the Hollywood blacklist? Uh, no, no. Uh, was yeah. that a podcast or, or maybe no, it's, it's a podcast? A, it's a, it's a, it's a agents in Hollywood vote on the best unproduced screenplays of the year. Okay. So you can find it online. Right. And, and so uh, all the agents from the top agents get together and they all do this kind of like vote on what are the best movies in screenplay form that have not yet been produced. And you read the synopsis of, of them and you go, oh, my God, I would watch that. I would watch that. How how are these not on a movie screen? It's, you know, it's um, but it's all like money. It's all financially driven, you know, that's. And how many people are going to tune in for, you know, something original as opposed to something that's like, ooh, this is this is comfort. You, yeah, you have to build your audience from yeah. the ground up, which is daunting when you can just turn around and do a sequel or you can reboot an old franchise or whatever. So, I think yeah. that's uh, that's been the 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 problem with the uh, iZombie not like blowing up like like a supernatural or like the Flash or right. something like that is because people yeah. are like, you know, what is that? That sounds like a iPod. Zombie. I've right. seen Walking Dead, so. <laughs> right. Oh, you think? Oh, I see. So you think the title? It's like as soon as there's zombie in the title, it mixes in with like a million other things in people's minds. Yeah, it is a silly yeah. title. I mean, uh, the the comic book even points out in the last few pages of uh, of of the graphic not the last graphic novel that it's like a, a silly title. Like they they name something I Zombie within the story, and they're like, that's a that's a ridiculous title. <laughs> yeah, but they went right. along with it with the show, which uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe with a different title, it might have been bigger. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's so sad that it's ending. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I should ask you about the Flash, though. Uh, yeah, that's that's another uh, you know big Vancouver show, and mm-hmm. hopefully, it's probably going to you know take the reins from uh, uh, Supernatural when they go away. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what did you do on that show? Uh, I think it was the start of uh, season two. It's when Harrison Wells' lab blows up at the end of one of the seasons, uh-huh. and uh, it's the premiere episode of the. I think it was season two. And um, I play this kind of uh, ominous lawyer who shows up and presents the Flash with this thumb drive that he is to watch that's got this statement from Harrison Wells on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I play like a shady lawyer <laughs> in sort of a darkly lit scene. Um, Grant's a really uh, – he was a really cool guy. I really enjoyed working with him. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh gosh! Actually, yeah. Just scrolling through here, you were mm-hmm. on several episodes of Grace Point, which was kind of a yep. uh, a reboot. Was that uh, Broadchurch? I think it was. Yeah, it was a remake of Broadchurch, yeah. and David Tennant played the role again in the American version. And then they anchored all these other actors, American actors, around him, set it in a California town instead of a, a British town. Um, I play this kind of nosy villager who's like wants the murder kind of solved. Um, and they just brought me back and wrote me back into several episodes. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, yeah, another show that, you know, it, it lasted a year, didn't quite pick up an audience. It had great actors in it. Um, oh, for sure. David Nick Nolte was in it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, I think they might've Americanized it a little too much. I think the grit of the original British version read a little bit better. And then it got maybe just a little bit too glam, uh, in the American version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, great show to work on. And, and they actually had the director, the James head, the director who directed, um, the first three episodes in the British version, he came over and did the American version and directed those as well. Oh, and, yeah. uh, so it's kind of make the style kind of match. Yeah, and I think keep keep David Tennant sort of like in the same kind of mode of performance he was in uh, when he did yeah. the British version. Yeah, awesome. Is there anything mm-hmm. uh, coming up for you that you want to uh, tell people to look out for as we wrap? Um, I just, yeah, I just finished an episode, uh, guest spot on an episode of a show called Strange Angel, which is CBS um, All Access. It started it's their new streaming platform. So their three shows are Star Trek. Um, Strange Angel and there's one other um, Strange Angel is a really interesting concept it's based on a guy who um, in the 1940s was one of the original rocket scientists in the United States and he got involved in this cult and he got brought up on immorality charges because this cult did all kinds of crazy things and threw these like sex orgies and stuff and so he got he got I think charged on morality charges and he kind of got written out of the history books his name was Jack Parsons but he was one of the original rocket scientists and um, Ridley Scott is one of the producers of the show, oh. and it's beautifully shot. Um, it's going into its second season, and um, I play a judge who um, kind of brings the, the cult members into court and arraigns them. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that's a cool one coming out um, sometime soon. I'll have to look out for that one. Yeah, the, the other, I think the other one – well, maybe you were thinking of The Twilight Zone or maybe The Good Fight. I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm re- I, I really, I really need to pick up a subscription of that that uh, streaming <laughs> service, but my wife will probably kill me. So, <laughs> like, not another oh, one. <laughs> have, you, have you curated too many, uh, too many, uh, uh, yeah, too well, many streaming services? I have the Netflix, and I got, I got, I got Hulu through my Spotify, which I already have, and then right. 
Luckily, a friend of mine was like, "Sure, you can use my prime." Uh, so is it because is it because the bill's too high, or because you don't spend enough time with her? Uh, probably a little bit of both. But <laughs> <laughs> like you're also podcasting. What, what you don't have time to watch all this stuff? So but it's like you know, it's uh, the the FOMO, yeah, you know, you're, the fear of missing out. You're, you're like, yes, oh, of course. I heard about yeah. this new thing. I want to see. Oh, I can't get it. So right. <laughs> yeah, there's so much to choose from. I mean, God. I'm old enough to remember when it seemed like there were like four or five channels and now it's just like it's overwhelming. This is why I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I got too many other things to watch. I you know, it's like I hear you say that and I'm like, "Oh man, you're missing out." But then I'm also like, "Oh, good for you. You've 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 gotten like 60 plus hours of your life that you've spent probably right. <laughs> better ways." I've avoided the vacuum. I'm sure it'll suck me in at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for stopping by, Aaron Craven. Uh, did you want to uh, let folks know where they can find you on the old interwebs? Where, oh, where yeah. They can you yell can at you about that. your character? <laughs> yeah, you can just uh, look up my name on Twitter, Aaron R. Craven, um, and um, hit me on Facebook. I'm, I'm around. You can okay. find me. It, the name's not very common, so you'll find me if you look me up. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by the iZombie podcast and talking with me. Thanks so much, Robin. And I just want to let our listeners know that our main podcast will be back tomorrow with our discussion of the season five premiere, Thug Death. And yes, Steph will be here. Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robinero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at Zombie Love. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!